Only in Jeff Styles America. And welcome back to Only in Jeff Styles America, the podcast that is found in well all kinds of places, but mostly and firstly and muchly and the most uh, important is JeffStylesAmerica.com. Uh, after that, we have a number of uh, launch platforms. I don't know all of them. I've still not got them memorized, but I know we're on iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcast and Pocket Cast and Breakcast and break your leg and break a leg and break break your mama's back and all the rest of these things that I don't really understand because I'm still and I will remain a technological idiot. Uh, but glad to have you here. This is our sixth podcast. Now, this is a milestone because the whole idea of me doing a podcast was so I could tell my story about what happened to me earlier this summer. And if you haven't seen and or heard that story yet, I'm sure as hell not going to go back and talk about it again. Go back to the archives and that will be it anchor.fm and they're all archived there but uh i originally just thought we would do five five you know podcast basically told my story i needed to get it out there and i ended up only really doing two well so now we're in, in completely unknown territory we're in the frontier we've gone where no man has gone before and jeff styles american we're glad to have you here I'm going to give a shout out to all of our advertisers, Aretha Frankenstein's and Aretha Frankenstein's Pancake Mix. Of course, Choo Choo Realty, and they've got a new thing going on. I'll tell you about it in a little bit. PhotoDoctorTN.com and TMJ Tactical. You find them at TMJTactical.com. And a big shout out to People's Home Ed for letting us come in and use their facilities here. And they are wonderful people, and I think the world of them. All right. In this particular podcast, for those of you who are just now joining us, I will try to do a little bit of a shotgun on some of the current events. The problem with sometimes the podcast is that you do pre-record it uh, a little bit earlier, so we don't really know where all this stuff is going. But there's only really two topics right now, other than the fact that the vols still suck and the dogs are kicking ass. Uh, other than that, uh, you really got uh, Paul Manafort pleading guilty and all the drama about where you know whether President Trump is going to actually, you know, Give him some sort of, uh, you know, pass, go, don't get 200 years in jail, whatever. And all of the politics surrounding that. And then you have the topic that I want to focus on today, and that is Hurricane Florence. Not necessarily just Hurricane Florence, but hurricanes and human behavior within them. As we speak right now, literally Florence is just ripping Wilmington into bits. And it was a Category 1 when it made landfall. It was a Category 4 earlier. And I'm going to give you a couple of stories. I, I, I am known amongst my friends as a storm magnet. can tell you how many texts and emails and phone calls I got in just the last few days, people saying, you don't happen to be in Wilmington, do you? You're not over there at Cape Hatteras, are you? Because wherever I go, if there's a storm out at sea, it will turn, make this most drastic turn that none, even the European model doesn't predict, and it will come storming on shore. And this has happened again and again and again. And I'm going to tell you why in just a little bit. And um, I just appreciate everybody working with me and continuing to give us support here. One big shout out. I told you about this big concert that's going to be going on here in Chattanooga, and it is going to be all of the local and regional musicians. It's going to be held at Songbirds, the venue. You have Songbirds, the world's biggest and best guitar collection at the Choo Choo, Chattanooga Choo Choo. Yes, 
there is such a place if you don't live in this area. Uh, it's going to be Thursday, September 27th. Doors open at 5. Music begins at 6 with Roger Allen Wade and many, many, many others. The local music community essentially had this whole thing put together before anybody told me about it because I probably would have tried to weasel out of it because I don't want to look like I'm groveling for money. But um, actually, I'll, I'll say this one story about that. Um, there's a young man here locally. Actually, I don't know how young young is anymore, but um, he was doing Marilyn Manson before Marilyn Manson was even, you know, in, in you know, pull-up shorts and was kind of uh, focusing on Alice Cooper. He did a shock rock thing. One of the nicest guys in the world, Eric Scalf is his name, and in a, in a couple of different bands. But he told my wife when she said, you know, Jeff will fight back against this. And he goes, you know what? He has done so much for the music community here, more than any other, you know, radio music DJ has ever done over, you know, 25, 26 years. Tell him to shut the hell up and let us help him a little bit. And when she told me that and it was already going on, I said, I, right, I'm down with it. So I'd love to see you guys down there. And that's really going to be where we sort of relaunch the website and the podcast. All right. So let me get a big shout out right off the bat to our good friends over at Aretha Frankenstein's. Aretha Frankenstein's has one location as a restaurant here in town, Tremont Street in Chattanooga, but you can get the pancake mix. And these are pancakes that will absolutely melt in your mouth and melt your mind. Uh, if you make them right with canola oil and buttermilk and follow the instructions, they will be the best pancakes you've ever had. No holds barred. Absolute promise. Only in Jeff Styles America. Now here is why I have become a storm magnet. And it is true. I, I used to sort of deny it, but there's just no denying it. I actually, when I was 15 years old, my father and I, this is in the summer of 76, before Jaws came out, by the way, before Jaws came out, all right? And the reason that's important was because we were going to Fort Walton. Fort Walton was where all of my uh, parents' friends, I had grown up in Ohio in uh, Fairborn, it's in a suburb of Dayton, and Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is up there, and everybody up there would retire to Eglin Air Force Base in their last couple of years, and they'd live there, you know, in the Fort Walton Destin area. And so my dad's best friend, um, he was, uh, I believe it was Captain Kelly Hennard. He was a pilot in the Korean War. He was going to visit his buddy, and he takes me with him. And Mr. Hennard, as I knew him in the neighborhood, had taken on as a retired Air Force pilot uh, a hobby of uh, fixing up old MGs. And uh, he had an, like a 59 MGB Roadster that had these big fender wells that came up and then went swooping down to become a running board. I mean, like real serious gangster stuff. And it was a, it was a, a rag top. It was convertible. And it's just enough you know, room for two people to sit up there. And he just tossed me the keys. I'm 15. Remember, this is a long time ago. People didn't care about things you know, like they do now. They weren't quite as judgmental or quite as uh, cautious. So I've got this MGB Roadster, and I'm riding around town. And um, I, I, I see this girl in one of those tacky shops where they sell like the sand, you know, dollars that are spray painted with a cross or something like that, or, you know, a little a dolphin jumping over a rainbow or whatever. And, you know, you got your nice little sand dollar that's spray painted. And it will last exactly one week before it, you know, falls into dust. But there was a girl in there that had a big hickey on her neck. And so I immediately started chatting her up, thinking she'd be easy, right? And I go back to pick her up that night. And uh, sure enough, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on my, you know, my big, you know, act. And I thought she saw through it pretty quickly and pretty fast. So I lost her. But the fact is, I was still out at night on my own with this killer car in Fort Walton. So I go by and I, I get 
some gin at a liquor store. Again, 15, did they card me? Of course not. This is 1976. So nobody's scared of sharks. And I get some, some gin. I don't know what to mix gin with. I've, I'm a complete neophyte when it comes to drinking. I got a Coke. Coke and gin. Don't do it, kids. The drink most likely to be thrown up through your nose later on this afternoon or this week whenever you do it. And uh, started mixing it. Went out, swam in the ocean for a little bit just by myself. And I just had this weird moment where I went and kind of crawled up on the sand. And I was watching the waves break. And I was like going, oh, big mighty ocean, big mighty ocean. I was taunting the ocean. Taunting the ocean. A 15-year-old skinny, skinny, skinny kid. Didn't know where he was, what he was doing in life. And I was like going... You know, with all your might and all your glory and all the songs written about you and all the legends, you can't get me when I'm up here. You can't get me when I'm up here in the sand. What are you going to do? And then I passed out. And after I passed out, suddenly, I have no idea what, how much time passed. There were no sand crabs nestled in my ears as far as I knew. But suddenly, boom! wave breaks and just comes crashing over me and I get up and I'm like in waist deep water, salt water swirling. I kind of forgot where I was, what was going on, but I go scrambling toward the shore and I realized that I had taunted the ocean and the ocean had come for me. It had come for me. It had taken my dare. It had picked up my gauntlet. And uh, the funny thing is, is that was just the first time. That was the first time. I did it another time, a second time. I'm going to tell you about that in just a second. If that was stupid, and it was, the second time was even worse. I want to say thanks again to RMJ Tactical and rmjtactical.com. Go to the website, check out all the cool blades that they make. Uh, Every kind of use you could possibly come up with, and sometimes just collector's items. Ryan Johnson is a very good friend of mine, one of the best knife makers in the world, but he's uh, focused on tactical weapons for our men and women over in Afghanistan and Iraq and places where they really need tools that get things done. Uh, he's going to be a guest sometime very, very, very soon. Also to photodoctortn.com, photodoctortn.com. If you're into photography, if you're into history, if you're into saving your own history, say you got an old, you know, tattered, you know, photograph, a Polaroid from you, you know, back in 1976 with a girl with a hickey on her neck before she actually disappeared. You know, it might be falling apart, but he can actually go in there and put that thing back together again and actually make it look like you were making time and not actually about to lose the girl. He can do amazing things, and I'm not saying who he is until I also get him in here in the studio. Only in Jeff Styles, America. So now I'm married. I have kids. We are staying in a motel in Fort Walton. Right where it joins, I mean, right where it joins Destin, which is on Okaloosa Island. For Walton, the city, people don't ever think about the fact that the town, Panama City, is the same way. They have the town, then they have the beach. Okaloosa Island is the beach. And um, it it was a beautiful place. We used to go there all the time. And uh, my first wife, the mother of my two sons, and her two daughters, my stepdaughters, were down there. And there was a hurricane churning off the coast of the Gulf. And uh, it was Hurricane Aaron. And Hurricane Aaron was a potentially strong hurricane and you know i basically took a a pulse of the people on the island there the locals and half of them were leaving and they were boarding up and half of them were staying they were going to ride it out and i thought worst comes to worst we were staying in a really nice little motel um for free i will go ahead and tell you that right now no payola or plugola in podcast i don't guess uh but bruce plant um a pulitzer award-winning um, editorial cartoonist. There's probably not more than 35 making a living doing it today. He used to work at the Chattanooga Times, and this was his family's motel. 
and it was right there on the marina, the working marina, and it was such a cool place. So we didn't want to leave. We figured we'd ride it out. Big mistake. Big mistake. Let's go ahead and get lesson number one out there right now. If there's a hurricane coming towards you, leave. Leave, 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 leave. There is, it's, it's ridiculous to do otherwise. And we, you know, I thought, well, you know, Mr. Hernard's right over there on the other side. He's on the mainland. Well, surely we'd be safe on the mainland. My God, you know, just think about some of the hurricanes that have come through since then. So anyway, we put the kids to bed and go out to the beach. And again, alcohol is involved. This is the second taunting of the ocean. And the ocean, the Gulf was like glass. It was a glass off. There was not a ripple. There was not a tiny little wave. I mean, nothing. It just was just like a mirror. And it was 10 o'clock at night, and we'd been shooting tequila, of course. And, uh, you know, me and my wife. And so we're having this nice romantic time. We could see a few clouds streaming over, but it was still, you know, moonlit. Nobody else was out there because so many people had left. And what do you do in a situation like that when you're with your woman and everything's romantic? Of course, you stand up and decide to taunt the ocean a second time and i started talking to the hurricane i was going you ain't nothing you what are you doing out there you, you busted up everybody's chops man we're having you screw you man hurricane and and it, i go back and we go to the motel and we do what we do and and the next morning i wake up and if you have ever gone to some of these old motels on the coast down there at the gulf and the panama city for a while there you know they have very heavy curtains and they normally have one air conditioner for each unit, not like a big central, you know, HVAC thing. And uh, sometimes those air conditioners, they leak and they make a lot of noise. And I was laying there and, oh, I was hung over. My head was throbbing. And uh, I noticed the air conditioner was getting louder and louder and louder. And I realized that my wife wasn't in bed with me and the kids weren't wherever they were supposed to be. So I took those big, heavy curtains that keep that bright Florida sunlight out of your eyes when you're hung over like they know everybody's going to be. And I moved it aside and I went, ah! The window was bowing in, just bowing in like it was about to burst. And the damn hurricane had taken overnight a massive, drastic left and had stormed on shore right where we were, right where we were. We were in just ground zero for Hurricane Aaron, category one, just as Florence is right now coming in. And people don't, they don't give respect to that number one. A hurricane is a hurricane. A nonstop wind at 60, 70 miles an hour is going to mess you up. It's going to mess things up and gusts beyond that. Um, the biggest worry and threat to us at that time, and of course I am thinking, my God, it's really happening. The ocean is going to get me one way or the other. And now I've made this decision for my whole family to be in harm's way. Not just me, not just me, the idiot, my whole family, all of my offspring, my bloodline, everything is there. And, and we're in this little tiny place right there on the edge of the shore. and. Well, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about this story and a couple of others, strangely enough, either didn't learn my lesson or the ocean has just been particularly insistent. She sees a bartender and a pool of blood. Has that my God, they've killed them all. Here comes the story of the hurricane. I've been telling you folks about my friend Robin Ring and Choo Choo Realty. She actually has a new company, a new company called RC2 Realty Solutions. RC2RealtySolutions.com. Now, this is fairly new to me, but I think it's a very cool idea. And I was just, just I'm looking at the uh, prospectus here. And if anybody can do this and really do it right, it's going to be Robin. But uh, essentially, what they want to do is buy distressed homes at a significant discount. There's a whole group of investors out there 
renovate them and resell them back to retail home buyers, maybe even the home owner originally or landlords, rc2realtysolutions.com. Very proud to have Robin still on my side after all that has happened. Only in Jeff Styles, America. So we're on Okaloosa Island, right outside of Fort Walton, right there where you cross the bridge. At that point, you're in Destin. And Hurricane Aaron has roared on shore. And at one point, I'm, I finally wandered my way downstairs to the lobby. This is only a two-story hotel, so it wasn't a very far wander. But there's my family sitting there. And, I mean, the wind is blowing, and it's blowing. And it never stops. It's not like a big storm here in the southeast or most thunderstorms. It never stops. It just constantly blows. And it makes this whining sound that will really begin to wear you down and get to you. It does something to the human psyche. At one point, I was going to go up and get uh, a couple of sandwiches. Well, actually, I did go up, but I didn't get a couple of sandwiches because I went in the room. There was this rumbling and just, oh, my God, what's about to happen? Is this just an earthquake on top of everything else? And the roof completely came off the building. And I'm standing there, and now rain is pouring down on my head and into our room and all, all of our stuff. So sandwiches went by the wayside. But the roof literally lifted off and landed in the parking lot in the back. And I go running down the stairs, and everybody was running back up the stairs, sure that I was dead, but I was not at that point. And at that point, we started hearing that there were tornadoes, not a tornado, not a funnel cloud, but multiple funnel clouds, something most people don't think about during a hurricane, but it kicks up a whole lot of weather of its own on Okaloosa Island. Not a big place. Probably what had come by and actually lifted the roof off could have sucked me into the stratus clouds started forming five o'clock p.m the funnel clouds touched down and i'm thinking with my family this is not the vacation we were looking for sirens were blowing clouds spat rain and as the thing came through i swear it sounded like a train well, when Hurricane Aaron had passed, we were leaving, and uh, there wasn't a ton of traffic, again, because at least 50% of the people had already evacuated, and the damage was remarkable, remarkable. And the one image that stuck in my mind was the roller coaster at the little amusement park they had down there, and it was twisted up like a slinky. Remember when you get a slinky when you were a kid? It would always immediately get all kinds of tangled, and you never could figure out how to untangle it. It would just end up in a ball of you know sharp razor wire that you'd have in your house. And that's what it looked like. And that stuck with me for a long time. Pieces of that truck stop litter up the highway. I've been told. And I hear that missing trucker ended up in Kansas. One week later, Hurricane Oprah made landfall at the exact same spot and finished the job. Everything was gone. The motel was gone. The, the, the playgrounds were gone. The highway was gone. Very different storm, without a doubt. Now, the big, big hurricane that we had, I had experience with, with some friends. If y'all remember Hurricane Hugo, we actually were making... Um, plans to, to, to take a, a guy's trip down to Cumberland Island, the national seashore, right on the coast, the very southern tip of Georgia, and into Florida. And it's not listed under state parks because it's a national seashore. Uh, they made it one in 1978. 
And we had a group of people that were going to be leaving from uh, from Chattanooga, and we're going to meet a couple of buddies from other, elsewhere, Orlando, some other places. We're going to meet in St. Mary's and go out to Cumberland. We watched Hurricane Hugo, this monstrous Category 5 storm, form right off the coast there. And we had just like a battle room, and we had plans. We had maps. We had, you know, sticks and arrows indicating all the rest of these things that were going on. And we decided— you know, every red flag was being thrown at us. Every hurricane flag, which are red, they were being thrown at us. And we go, we're going down anyway. We're going down anyway. Because we're young, we're dumb, we're indestructible. And so we head down to St. Mary's. We get there. And sure enough, it's the same sort of thing I'd experienced before on Okaloosa Island. The entire town of St. Mary's was pretty much evacuated. The only thing you could hear at night, we were staying in a well over 100-year-old hotel right there on the actual inlet where the ferry leaves to take you to the island. There's no bridge to the island. You have to take a ferry out there. And over the, the course of the night, it was bam, bam, bam. It was power tools and it was hammers as people were basically just boarding up things. The only people that were still left there other than us were people boarding up things. And they kept going out to this big telephone pole in the middle of the square because it's the very, if you're coming from Florida into Georgia, it's the very first exit. Boom, St. Mary's. And the road goes right out and it just makes a 180 a little, you know, cul-de-sac there, and it goes back out the other way, and that's where the ocean is, and that's where we were, and there's a telephone pole out there, and they kept going out, and they kept making the mark as to what they thought the water rise was going to be, the flood surge was going to be. It kept getting higher and higher, and so we decided, well, obviously, we're not going to be going to the island tomorrow. That's not going to happen, so we made the incredibly wise decision of going south because we thought it was going north to St. Augustine, and I've got pictures I was looking at just today because of all the news about Francis and we were body surfing in a parking lot of a mall. The surge had pushed the tide up to the point where there's pictures of us going by a no parking sign that I know was at least six feet tall. And you could only sit in the trough of the waves and we're body surfing in that. Not only is it nasty water, but the riptides would have been incredible. There's gators and snakes and, and bull sharks. Oh, my. Everywhere. And we're out there like idiots. So then after we have this fun in the surf, and my brother-in-law almost did die, and I accepted the fact that he was going to die, and I was going to have to tell my, my wife that her, her brother died, and there was nothing I could do. But he made his way in, so I pat him on the back, and he spit up some water. We decided to go inland about 100 miles. 100 miles for a hurricane is like you adjusting your foot one inch to the left when it gets a little uncomfortable. It is nothing. It was a state park. It was open. And the ranger goes, do you boys know what's going on? We go, yeah, yeah, we're, we're good, we're good, we're good, we have a cool. He goes, all right. We were the only ones there. We set up our tents. Luckily, it went way north of us because if it had come on right there, nobody would have ever seen any of us again. That's a guarantee. They would have found our bodies possibly or some DNA inside an alligator stomach out in the middle of the Everglades. And there's nothing left but some blood where the body fell. That is nothing left that you could sell. The idiotic behavior. The idiotic behavior that people come up with and pull off during these massive storms, there's no explaining it. Uh, as a matter of fact, so many things happen during a hurricane that you cannot explain, but this one was definitely just a bonehead move. I wonder what he was thinking when he hit that storm. But was he just lost in the flood? So among this group of, of men that we had that was on this, you know, guy's camping trip, there was one guy amongst us, and I won't use his name. It was Forrest Mills. Forrest was uh, the, the husband of one of our very, very good friends and a girl I'd known for a long time uh, who worked in news here in Chattanooga, Radio News. 
And Forrest was the consummate businessman. So after Hurricane Hugo had gone north of us and we realized that, hey, we had been spared, we went out and we went back to St. Mary's. And we said, we want to go to Cumberland Island. They go, we're not running the ferry because of storm damage. Well, there was no storm damage. Storm didn't come on shore. And they go, well, we're not running the ferry. So my buddy Forrest gets on the phone. And I learned two things from him. Number one, that if you are persistent and professional and polite, you can get almost anything done. And this is the method that he used. He talked to this person. He goes, look, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I don't even want to know your name. It means nothing. But who is your superior? Somebody who could actually make a decision to let us get out there. Because you know, we're a bunch of businessmen from Chattanooga. We came a long way. And then he'd talk to the next person. He'd do the same thing. Hey, ma'am, I don't mean to be uh, you know, trying to be a pest here, but we came a long way. And I mean, who... Who, who could actually make a decision that would get us out there? And, and could I possibly speak to them? I'm not trying to get you in trouble at all. He ended up talking to the undersecretary of the interior. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And this guy was sitting there eating lunch with his wife and some visiting family. And he goes, get those whiny bastards off the dock down in St. Mary's and take them to the damn island. So here comes the captain of the Cumberland Queen, the ferry that takes you to Cumberland Island. He is not happy until all of us slip him a $100 bill. Then he becomes the happiest man in the world. And when you get dropped off at Cumberland, there's nothing there. There's no stores. There's no, there, there, very, very few people live there. It is a wilderness. That's what it's supposed to be. And you're supposed to have a wilderness experience. But he dropped us off and said, now you boys realize you are on your own. There's nobody out here. None of the rangers, nobody. You're on your own. It's you and the wild horses. We're going, yes, that's exactly what we want. All right. So the hurricane had gone by. We didn't think about the storms that actually came into and before and after the path of a hurricane. The worst storm I've ever camped in in my life, and I've spent probably, I'll be 58 here in a week or so, and I've probably spent two years of my life in a tent or in some sort of camping situation. That would not be a big exaggeration, seriously. I've camped all my life, and I've never gone through a storm like this. So Hugo's way up north at this point. We're not even worried about it anymore. I'm not thinking about the fact that the ocean's after me anymore. We've been swimming, you know, in the storm surf, and we're sitting out there on these big sand dunes that the island is known for, and we're watching lightning pop off in the distance. And it's interesting down there because you have these huge, big 40-foot dunes that go right down into this canopy of this live oak forest. And when you have ambient light at dusk out there, your eyes are all adjusted. When you go into the woods, you go off the dune and into the forest, you don't see diddly squat. It is dark. And we're watching this lightning storm, and all of a sudden, crack a dune, boom, a lightning strike on the dune next to us. that made my stomach muscles cramp. I got electrified. I got shocked. But, I mean, we all jumped up, went running, just taking, just busting ass, because now here comes the wind, here comes the wind, here comes the rain, here comes the rain, and, and, and we go right down the dune into the dark forest, and I don't remember who was first. I just know that I, I had this image of the Keystone Cops. Boom, 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 because the first person stopped, and everybody ran into him, and we couldn't see anything except for the lightning flashes, and one of our buddies who had snuck off apparently had looked behind us because the storm that really hit us came up from behind, and he was in the tent, 
and shined his light. And it looked like something out of the movie Platoon, sweeping over the palmettas and through the live oaks and the Spanish, you know, moss hanging and saw everything's blowing in the breeze. And we went, yay, yay, yay. And he thought we were screaming at him to turn the light off and get it out of our eyes, which we always, you know, would get irritated with somebody who'd shine a light in our eyes because it'd mess up our night vision. He turned it off. No, no, no. He turned it back on. So we go diving in. And, and, and my buddy Forrest, the same guy that got us out there, I remember watching him set up this brand new tent. He had all brand new equipment, he had killer equipment. And he took a tarp and he laid it out and he put his tent right on top of it, but he didn't fold the corners in. And I said, dude, why don't you fold the corners in and stick them up under the tent? You know, and he goes, oh, I know what I'm doing. I went, all right. And so I go diving in my tent, which I had set up just for me. My brother-in-law goes diving in with me, which I was really disappointed about because he was stanking, of course. And I didn't really want anybody in there with me. But I was so glad to have him because we sat in that tent for a long time as this massive storm went over. And we were camped right next to each other, but we could barely hear each other over the wind and the cracking of live oak limbs. Live oak limbs do not snap very easily. And I would just remember seeing the, the flashes of light on my brother-in-law's face. And we were just dying laughing because our buddy Forrest was over there. And he was in essentially a baby waiting pool now because he had not tucked the tarp in under his tent. So he went, I'm taking on tons of water over here. And we looked at, we were bone dry. We we're going, you don't want to come over here, man. It's, it's all, we're swimming over here. And we were just dying laughing. One of my friends who actually is, uh, I will let him remain anonymous for sure. He's helped me through this whole ordeal I've been going through quite a bit and a uh, uh, very, very good buddy. And he's very technically adept and I wouldn't be able to even launch this venture without him. But he was in, if I'm lying, I'm dying, a little Boy Scout pup tent. And that thing beat down from the rain, the incredible driving rain that we got to the point where he was laying there. And if you've ever been in a big storm in a tent, if you touch the sides, water comes pouring in. If it's made out of nylon or canvas, it doesn't really make any difference. Somehow you break a seal and it comes pouring in. And he was just laying there as tight as he could get. And that thing leaned over and bent in until it was like a coffin, a sarcophagus. It was no more than an inch from his eyes and the rain's beating and the lightning's popping. And he wasn't quite the same when he came out the next day. I mean, I've got a picture of him and he looks like he'd done about 14 hits of blotter acid and he never really came back the same. Now he didn't, but I'm just telling you, he was affected and he was hollering as loud as he could. We couldn't hear him just the way he was set up in the wind. And he was convinced his imagination run away with him that we had all sought shelter somewhere. And he was out there by himself. Of course, we were right there next to him. But we were idiots. We were idiots to go into the red zone. That's what my wife at the time, at one, though I think I made one phone call uh, back home. She goes, you're in the red zone, the red zone. And this was CNN. I don't even know if the Weather Channel existed then. You're in the red zone. I go, thank you. But click. You know, we're going to go have some fun. And, and um, my God, the, the devastation was amazing. So people do stupid, stupid things during hurricanes. Even during Hurricane Aaron, uh, my, my oldest daughter and I went to the leeward side of the hotel. That's the thing. The wind always blows in one direction. And we watched these boats in the marina go down. There was nothing left. There were no boats on the water. There were only masts. But several of them, there were people on there trying to actually save their boats. And we would run out there and help them out of the surf and get them in. And they were laughing and joking and cutting up until the hurricane was over. And then you could just see the smile go away from their faces because that giddiness that you get during a big storm or an earthquake had disappeared. And it really, it's a strange psychological and physical thing that does happen. You are like a Now, kind of, a, I guess, almost sort of a, a, 
postlog to this whole thing. I just I, I, I started this whole podcast thing as a cautionary tale to people who might get involved in a road rage incident or might get caught up in the gears and machinery of um, the legal system, not the justice system, and people who work for large corporations who would not care for you no matter how much you've given them over the years if you find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, this particular podcast is a cautionary tale about people who think they want to ride a storm out. I talked about Hurricane Aaron and how that roller coaster was the burned image in my head. When Hurricane Andrew came on shore, way down in South Florida, I remember talking on the air to somebody who was in the bathroom of his home. He had decided to ride it out, and there was a hotel nearby, and he said at that time that there was a big hurricane party going on up there, 25, 26 people who had gone up to one of the upper floors and were going to ride it out. That was on the air. That was live. And they never found any of those people that that hotel was turned into what would look like some sort of post-apocalyptic hulk of a building with windows in it. And there was nothing left, just holes, concrete with holes in it. And these people were in there hooping and hollering and drinking and partying. And Andrew was such a strong hurricane that it literally took everything off of that hotel and them and threw it out into the wasteland None of them survived. And that is a ghostly image that sticks with me to this day. I'll promise you, I will never put myself or my family in harm's way again when a big storm comes on shore. It is absolutely foolhardy to do so. There's not going to be anything that's really fun for you. Uh, It makes you have headaches. It makes you get sick. And it makes you die when the storm surge comes in and you get eaten by, you know, one of those tiger sharks or gators or something else or just plain struck by lightning or just blown into molecules, whatever. So the thought for today, we like to end every one of these on a thought of the day or a moral of the story. Leave, leave, leave early, leave often, leave as much as you need to leave behind. Um, the, The last family vacation I had was two years ago. We were on Cumberland Island and Hurricane Matthew was coming ashore. We got off and actually we didn't even get all of our gear because the ferry was leaving and the gear could be replaced. My family could not. The only time they've ever evacuated that island. So I have great respect for these storms. And the governor of North Carolina was trying to tell people out there on those barrier islands. And it's a wonderful, beautiful place. I just adore you know, the area around Kitty Hawk and Ocracoke and all that stuff. And it could be totally transformed by one of these things. And he said, to stay is to die. To remain in your home is to die. And you have got to respect that governor's point blank, ruthless truthfulness. And it really is true. Don't be one of the idiots that, you know, start idiotic behavior that other people could find contagious And don't taunt the ocean ever because it will remember. It has a long memory and it will continue to come for you. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Thank you to Aretha Frankenstein's Pancake Mix. Thank you to what we used to call Choo Choo Realty. But now, of course, we call RC2, RealtySolutions.com. RC2, that's numeral two, RealtySolutions.com. Specializing in taking that home off your hands if you're in a bad place or distressed properties if you're looking for something to buy. Thank you to RMJ Tactical, PhotoDrTN.com, and People's Home Equity, the uh, studios that I'm using right now. And if you would, sir, uh, 
the, the, the gentleman over here who's assisted me for a while. Yes, sir. Uh, people some equity. How do people get in touch with them? And exactly what would they do in one sentence? Uh, they help people get into new homes. They're a mortgage company. There you go. So friend of realtor and home buyers, 423-591-9801. They are on Facebook at People's Home Equity or chat with two T's, chatmortgage.com. Leave. You know, what's the, what's the rhyming thing? They always have to rhyme things. Turn around, don't drown. Leave before you turn into a sieve. I, I just made that up, obviously. Uh, I was trying to come up with something. Just get the hell out of the way if a hurricane's coming your way. Thank you to all you folks out there. And don't forget that big concert coming up if you want to take some time and come see us. It's going to be Thursday night, September 27th, down at Songbirds. And I can't tell you how much it means to me that these folks out there in the music community have uh, rallied around me to try to help keep my head above the floodwaters. Thank you.